I've been thinking about this idea of something called idea sentimentality. And it's funny because I'm talking about ideas and this is an idea about ideas. Let me explain. So clearly I think a lot. And even just by the name of this concept, you can tell that I'm a thinker and you might be a thinker if you're listening to this, especially since the name of this podcast at the moment it might change later on down the road. But for the moment, it's called going deep. And the whole idea behind this is it's very philosophical. We're, we're thinking about deep topics and deep things. And my entire life, I've been a thinker. Ever since I was growing up, I remember at the age of five, looking at the car, looking out the car window and thinking about what if this was all a dream? What justification do we have that this is even real? How do we even know that this isn't all just a simulation or some kind of video game or some kind of dream? And it was mostly that last one. How do we know that this is not just a dream? Right? And maybe we have dreams, which is one order of dream, but then we are currently living in a dream and our death in this dream is actually just waking up from a dream within another life. And maybe that other life is just a dream. Maybe it's like the Russian nested egg dolls where, where a dream inside of a dream inside of a dream. And who even knows where that stops. And there's an, uh, there's that uh, movie called Inception. And it's sort of based around this principle as well is how do we know what's a dream and what's reality? And I think for a lot of people, they might have had this thought before. I don't think this is something that's unique to me. I know for sure that there are philosophers out there who have thought about this before. And I'm sure that it's natural for a lot of humans to think like this. I used to think that I was special. I used to think that I was a deep thinker and that I was unique and special in that regard. But what I've come to realize is that humans are naturally inquisitive and a lot of times we don't think so deeply because we're distracted by phones and technology and just distractions that we have in day-to-day -day life by TV, all sorts of things. And it doesn't allow us to go really deep. And so when we have that quiet space and that quiet moment and maybe we're walking in a park or in nature and we're, we don't have our headphones in, we're not talking to anyone, we're just alone, that allows us to go really deep. And something I've been thinking about as well is a lot of times we're afraid to go deep. This is why there's more anxiety today than there ever has been in history. This is why there's been more cases of ADD diagnosed today than there ever has been in history. There's a lot of things going on today. And I believe it's due to the fact that we have all of the, these distractions and technology and all these ideas and stimuli, uh, stimulus coming into our brains every single day. And we have no room or no space to just think on our own, to go really deep within ourselves. We're fed constantly with the ideas of other people or with media or different distractions. And we're never able to really go deep with ourselves. So that has me wondering a few things, and I want to tie this back into this concept that I talked about at the very beginning about 
um, ideas, right? And idea um, being sentimental about ideas, idea sentimentality. But just thinking about this, and when I was on my meditation retreat, and this was one of the most profound moments of my life, basically you're out there 10 days with no stimulus. You're there, no phone, no TV. You're not allowed to talk to anyone. You're not even allowed to make eye contact with anyone for 10 days. And the only person you're allowed to talk to is the monk. And you have a daily lesson and he gives you the lesson as a group and then he meets with you for about 10 minutes a day, asks how your meditation practice is going. It's an incredible, incredible experience. And this is something that I believe will change the world if everyone did a meditation retreat. And I wonder about that too. What if everyone did a meditation retreat? What if we got a group of people together and we coordinated that and people took 10 days just to ponder and think to themselves about themselves? That could be an amazing movement. So I'm curious to know more about that. And actually, now that I'm thinking about this out loud, this is something that I've never really thought about before but a way of being able to coordinate that to essentially do the marketing for the meditation retreats to really bring awareness around this idea that awareness, um, that meditation retreats can really heal people. It allows people to explore deep within themselves. And that could be a truly life-changing experience for a lot of people, for a lot of CEOs, for a lot of entrepreneurs for a lot of people who have regular jobs imagine that imagine a world where people knew who they were who weren't addicted to the dopamine stimulus stimuli that are happening every single day their phones their computers their laptops their netflix youtube facebook instagram what if people weren't addicted to these things what would that do for the world so that has me wondering, and going back to idea sentimentality, idea sentimentality is this idea or this concept that I just thought about where basically you're attached to your ideas. I have a lot of this. And at the end of the day, what are ideas? Well, a lot of times we claim ownership over these ideas because we think they're our own. When in actuality is something that's just entered entered into our mind, and who knows where it came from? You know, it, maybe it did come from within ourselves, but who says it's ours? Maybe it was divine intervention, and most likely it was. Maybe it was something that has manifested itself or come to fruition from other sources, and we never know. But at the end of the day. It's something that I think about because I'm attached to my ideas and what that holds me back from is being able to explore and just being able to accept who I am. What it, so let me just explain this in simple terms. Basically what I mean is I'm afraid of forgetting my good ideas. I'm afraid of forgetting these ideas or ideas that I've had in the past and I kind of want to document it and record it and maybe that's part of the reason I'm doing this podcast and maybe it's a good thing but I was actually looking back on some of my ideas I made this pdf a couple of years ago 
And this was around the time, this is about three years ago actually, and this is around the time I used to be a dating coach and it was actually, you know, I was immersed in this pickup artist community. And I went out there every single night to the nightclubs and taught guys how to go out, talk to girls and get laid. That was the main object of it. I'm not gonna, you know, pretend it was something else, but that's essentially what it was. And I remember you know, for me, if I set my mind to something, I'm good at achieving it. And I'm also, I'm also very talented. I'm even more, I would say, gifted at being able to explain it to others so they get the result that I got, but actually better results than I got, which I think, you know, I think we ha all have a unique gift within us. And I believe that that's one of my unique gifts is to be able to teach and to help other people get better results than I actually got with the same thing that I did. And that's what I did is I created a system where where basically guys could go out to a nightclub and have the confidence to know that they could take a girl home that night and hook up. That was basically what it was. And, you know, I I was able to do it myself and I taught a lot, a lot of other guys how to do it as well. And a lot of guys were really grateful that I taught them that. They were you know, appreciative, they, they were amazed by it. It was a really powerful, if you think about it, and it's not even necessarily, I'm not saying this in a, in a positive way necessarily. It is what it is, it's not negative either. It's just something that happened was, they thought of it as very powerful and very effective, which it got the result. I was reading back on, I was looking back and reading this PDF yesterday and I've come to realize that a lot of those ideas yes they did work and yes they got the result and there's a part of me that feels attached to that where I want to teach more people that I want to teach more guys how to do that just for the ego's sake just because I was good at it at a certain time but now I look back on it and I'm like I actually don't agree with a lot of the things that I was saying I thought a lot of it was very objectifying a lot of it was very strategic and procedural. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't emotionally intelligent, and I think I've developed a lot in the last three years. And I've come to realize that you know a lot of the beliefs that I had before aren't the same. I've changed the way I view the world, and to look back on that, and I shared it in this Facebook group that I created a few years ago, and you know people were liking it, but. My girlfriend was reading through it and she was like, I honestly couldn't read the whole thing because it just, you know, it's, it's something where, and she was right, you know, it sounds almost very strategic and cold and objectifying and manipulative the way I was seeing the world and it's true. And it's something that I have to learn how to just let go of because I'm going to have ideas and those ideas are going to change based on my beliefs and I'm becoming someone new and it's something that's amazing. And I think what I want to do is actually address this in my group as well is why I took this down. Um, because what I've come to realize is that I'm a different person and I'm not who I used to be. and there's a part of me that still wants to relive that, that still wants that, 
that acknowledgement of what I what I was able to accomplish with that and there's another part of me that um, that's ready to move on that has realized that that's not me anymore that I'm a different person now and it's it's not even about the person right it's not even about the fact that I'm a different person because that's, that still acknowledges that I have some sort of ego or being it's it doesn't align with how I feel anymore it doesn't allow align with how I feel right now that's the truth it just doesn't feel right and energetically or whatever it is uh, vibrationally and so you know I believe that what's past has passed and some ideas just aren't meant to be rekindled and it's just something where I do that with a lot of things. I have this sentimentality towards my old ideas. I want to go back and read some things that I was learning in college. And sometimes it's good to look back on it just for the sake of being nostalgic and appreciating where you come from. But then if you get stuck there and if you keep trying to relive the past and you keep trying to teach past concepts that you used to teach, it starts to wear itself out. So that's what I've come to realize is I'm not who, who, who I used to be. Um, it's time to move on from that. It's time to relive and become who I am now. And once again, when I say who I am, I don't mean in terms of some sort of egoic sense, which maybe I, I do, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't decided yet, but, um, but what I mean is being in touch with how I feel and my energetic sense of being and how I am vibrationally. And I know this might sound really esoteric. It might sound almost crazy because I used to be very rational and I used to believe that my rationality was going to get me ahead in life. But what I've come to realize is that sometimes it holds me back. That same sense of rationality or reason that gives a false sense of security. Because if you look back on ancient philosophy or the Greeks, they talk about how rationality or reason is what distinguishes humans from other animals. But when we actually look at it, we're a lot more animalistic than we take ourselves to be. Our rationality is limited and sometimes we ignore these instinctual, and I, I don't mean instinctual in terms of survival mechanisms. I mean instinctual in terms of the fact that we're actually energetic beings and we're one with nature. And we can actually connect with that. We don't have to force it. We don't have to overthink things. We don't have to overanalyze. We can just let things be. And this is something that Martin Heidegger talks about about letting beings be. And the reason why I resonate so deeply with Heidegger is because I think he's a very underappreciated philosopher that actually had a lot of ideas that are highly applicable across any sort of period of time. And he's not very well known, but, um, but in philosophical circles he is, and 
in some psycho, uh, psychology departments he is as well. But when it comes to the way he viewed the world, I mean, some of his ideas, the way he would describe them in his writings are inaccessible by most people just because his language is just, it's, I mean, I, I could barely understand it just reading through it. Uh, it took me a couple of years of studying to understand what he was actually saying. And, you know, a lot of people have better things to do from their perspective with their lives than to try to sort through Heidegger for a couple of years. But I found that it's added a lot of value to my life and it's really changed my perspective on how I view the world because I used to see the world as, you know, a series of axioms or rules that we had to figure out and we had to distill into first principles and from that we could prove theorems and axioms from that. And it's kind of like the world is a math problem to solve or a series of math problems to solve. And in a certain sense, that can be a useful model of the world to use. In another sense, there's only so much we can do. It's a, there's a limitation to that because there's intrinsic essences within different things. There's in, intrinsic essences within beings, right? So it's not about always using something for something else, which is something that Heidegger talks about um, when it comes to metaphysics. We're very Cartesian in the sense that we view an object and a subject, and we we have a certain view, way of viewing the subject-object relation, which has been popular, popularized by Descartes. And this is how most people view the world. It's very scientific. And ever since Descartes came up with the framework for the scientific method, which has been widely adopted, and we consider that to be the hallmark of how we measure truth. It's also a limitation because we just kind of take science for granted. We say that everything that science produces is truth. And really what it is, it's just a pattern. It's a way of seeing the world. And Heidegger brings that to light. He says, you know, the subject-object relation, we tend to view ourselves as a subject and objects around us. When in fact, you know, the world truth is actually just the unconcealing of the concealed. There are entities around us that unconceal themselves and they have an essence and they essence themselves to us. And I know I'm getting very, very esoteric with the language, but this is essentially what Heidegger talks about in his writings. And when it's translated from German to English, some of it might be lost in translation, but this is the core essence of what he's talking about is, you know, there's, it's kind of like we're driving, right? We can't pay attention to everything that's going around us because if we did, we would totally lose focus. The human brain is limited to a certain number of things we can focus on at a time. That's why we learn to autopilot. So maybe you've had that experience driving in a car where you've been on autopilot and you know, you, you don't know how you got home. You're literally thinking to yourself, wow, where was my mind? I was thinking about golfing or I was thinking about this TV show and I don't even remember this journey home. And it's almost like your brain turned off for like 20 minutes. And unless, you know, there's a car that 
stops in front of you and all of a sudden it's like you were always there but then that car suddenly appeared and that's like the the unconcealing of the concealed that's truth happening before you and that's just an analogy to talk about what it's like to have any truth appear before you suddenly your attention is pulled towards that thing or that entity that's unconcealing itself to you whether that's an idea whether that's an object in your reality whether it's not even an object it's an entity and as what Heidegger calls Dasein, we are ontological beings, we are ontological self-reflective entities where we can actually reflect on our own existence, we can look in the mirror and understand that that's an instantiation of ourselves. So the reason I talk about this, let's wrap this back around and uh, wrap this up but uh, talking about idea sentimentality. I'm attached to my ideas and you know I have an ego around being intelligent. So I think that that's really where it comes from is I don't wanna lose my good ideas, but in so doing, sometimes that holds me back from, from being able to move forward and take action. I'm so consumed and so busy with accumulating or remembering what I had in the past and documenting that doesn't allow me to move forward and take action on what's going on around me in the present moment or to move forward towards my future. But I think most of it is, you know, I, I consume myself mostly with thinking about the past and the future and I get stuck in the present and I just want to get there faster. And I have an ego around reviving my good old ideas when in fact I should just really lay them to rest. So those are some of my thoughts and uh, idea sentimentality is really interesting. And I really think that having everyone do a meditation retreat would be an amazing experience. If everyone could experience that, because what I went through during that retreat is I had this rush of all these memories coming to the surface that I totally had forgotten about from elementary school and high school and middle school and college and my travels my past jobs and past relationship and just random things coming to the surface and I had to deal with those things rushing to my mind all at once and this happened over the course of a few days um, you know first couple of days were pretty normal second the third day I noticed that I was having more thoughts than usual um, coming to my mind and I think it was just because you know, I, I wasn't occupied by other things, so my mind was trying to create things to do and create things to think about. So it was almost cleaning out what was there. And that happened during the third and fourth days is it started to all rush to the surface. And by the fifth day, it was almost uncontrollable. And I was so sensitive to being outside or to being inside. Like I felt like I was trapped inside whenever I was in my room and I had to go outside during the daytime, otherwise I would get really paranoid. And so that was like day five and then day six, same sort of feeling. And at the end of day six, I felt like I was about to die. I remember having this thought that this was my final day on earth. And I was basically having to sacrifice myself. And I don't know, I had this weird vision that I was connecting with Jesus or something where 
Jesus was asking God the Father for um, some sort of, you know, he was ple pleading with him that he didn't want to die, that he didn't want to go through that because he knew that he had to, to atone for the sins of the world. And that image was playing through my mind that I was basically pleading for my life as well, and I really didn't want to do it. It was really intense because I was basically pleading for my life on day six. And when I went through that experience and I was preparing for bed that night, I was preparing for my death. I thought my heart was going to stop that night. I had these visions of that happening. And um, yeah, I went to bed. And then I woke up the next morning full of gratitude, almost like I had been born again. And maybe that's another sort of religious analogy, but it's not even so much religious. It's more spiritual than anything else. It was an analogy that was related to my own spirit and my connection with the universe or however you want to call it, connection with a higher consciousness, which is actually all of us that were connected in this deep web of of interrelatedness or interrelated energy. And that's what I believe is, you know, we're all connected by some sort of, some sort of higher power, um, some sort of universal energy. And so that was like my awakening to that where I just released from who I was. Because when you think about it in day-to-day -day life and day-to-day existence, we're all just a set of labels that we give to ourselves. We are a student. We graduated from this school. I played baseball in high school. I'm a son. I'm a, I have a half-brother, so I'm a half-brother technically. I have all these labels that I associate with. You know, I used to be Lutheran um, because I went to a Lutheran school. And you know, I've been in one relationship. These are all identities, right? And this is how we tend to define us. This is how we tend to define ourselves is by these set of labels. And what I came to realize when I was in the meditation retreat, because remember, you have no one to contact. So you start to forget who you are. <laughs> as crazy as that sounds, you start to forget who you are because you have no one to remind you of who you are. Every time you see someone familiar or anytime you talk to someone familiar or anytime you on Facebook or anytime someone texts you, you're reminded of your identity. It reinforces your identity, but when you're removed from that, you start to forget who you are in that sense. But in actuality, you're just remembering who you are. You're forgetting your ego. You're forgetting these labels, but you're actually awakening to who you really are, which is a consciousness and an energy that's deep within you. That's connected to the smallest ant in the world. That's connected to the trees and the plants around you. And that's something that I realized sitting outside, just watching the ants. I remember I spent a few hours because you really have nothing to do when you're on this meditation retreat, just spending a few hours watching the ants 
what an incredible experience I'm just a life where you're able to connect with that and then you start to lose sense of what are the boundaries between life and death what is death and why are we so attached to life why can't we let life go why can't we get let go of of these labels and that's why it's hard to think about so idea sentimentality letting go of these ideas that i've been having and just following intuition the deep intuition not just compulsive intuition where you're instinctively wanting to succumb to temptations in the world that's something different but there's something deep and instinctual or intuitive within us where we remove ourselves from all temptation to distraction we're just all in we're, we're in nature away from technology and then we get to know ourselves and we're just out there for a few days and we get to know ourselves on a deep level we begin to feel that sense of gratitude and appreciation for life and nature so that's pretty much it and as i think about these things it makes me very grateful for where i am my life i'll talk soon